Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Oh, Heavenly Father, you comfort our hearts. And when you come to us, O oh Lord, although we are exposed and we see just how hollow we are and just how great our errors are, you come to us with a coal of burning heat. You put it to our lips. You tell us we are made clean. You send your Son, O Lord, to come into the waters of baptism and to cleanse them. And as we go in, you make us clean like him. And he comes out of those waters, taking on our sins, and heads to Jerusalem to the cross. Help us, O Lord, help us, that though we fall, that we may be helped along by your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we too may go to the cross to see our salvation achieved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, last Sunday... We jumped ahead in the Gospel of St. Mark. We jumped all the way into the beginning of the end of Jesus' ministry. We read about his last epiphany, his last manifestation before his death and his resurrection. We journeyed with Paul, with James and John, upon the mount where Jesus was transfigured into his eternal glory. And upon that mountain, we saw the curtain of heaven and earth being pulled back as the Father told his disciples, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And those words that were towards the beginning of the end of Jesus' ministry should be echoing in our ears as we now travel back to the beginning of his ministry and his baptism where God the Father first pulled back the curtain between heaven and earth and revealed to the onlookers of Jesus' baptism, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And with these two statements from the Father, although they're slightly different, they carry that same weight. That the beginning of the Son's <laughs> ministry, the eternal promise from the Father, that Jesus, the eternally begotten Son, with whom He is well pleased, as Jesus begins to enact the plan that was set out from all eternity to go and save his creatures made in the image of God. And this pulling back of the curtain, the veil, the separation between heaven and earth, it's not complete, for Jesus is heading this Lent with his face set towards Jerusalem to destroy that veil, to cut that curtain completely in two. Yes, the curtain separating God's will in heaven being done on earth is torn as the God-man has entered into his creation to accomplish the Father's will and the power of the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, descended upon Jesus like a dove at his baptism. In today's gospel, God is on a mission. God is dethroning Satan's false claim to power, to Satan's illusionary reign on earth. For the baptism of Jesus is the ascendancy of the true king, of the son of David, the son of man, the son of God, Jesus the Christ. The anointing of Jesus by the Holy Spirit descending like a dove hearkens us back to King David's own anointing by the prophet Samuel at the very command of God the Word. The same Word who was made flesh and received his anointing at the baptism. And these parallels between David and David's son, between David and Jesus the Christ, 
The same parallels of Jesus, or excuse me, of David and his life prefiguring Jesus and his mission, they don't just stop there at the anointing. For just as the Holy Spirit immediately sends God the Son into the wilderness to battle a false king, that is Satan, so too, during David's time, David hid in the wilderness as a fallen king, Saul, was seeking to end David's life. But did you notice some differences in just those two situations I described there? While David hides and bides his time until God calls him to be delivered from Saul and then to be king, Jesus purposely goes, not to hide, but goes, being sent by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to battle, to fight, to conquer Satan there on his own home turf. For the wilderness is wild, it's untamed, it's chaotic, it's deserted and a desert. It's like those raging waters above the earth before God, the very self-same word, brought order out of chaos in the creation. The Hebrews, they wisely saw the wilderness is not only dangerous from wild animals who certainly lurked there and whom Christ had to face in his temptation, but they also saw the wilderness as the place of the demons. And Isaiah 34, 14 explains that, quote, the wild beasts of the desert shall meet with the wolves, and the wild goat shall cry to his fellow. Yea, the night monster, that is the demon, shall settle there, and shall find her a place of rest. The wilderness was not the place to be. The wilderness is a place of trials and temptation. So why go out into the desert? Think back to the Old Covenant. Think back to what is required in the Old Testament. Think back to why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? Because he's going to be our Passover lamb. He's going to be our day of atonement sacrifice, Yom Kippur. Recall, think back to several Sundays ago, I briefly preached on and mentioned Leviticus 16, which tells us that the high priest, once a year, offers two goats for sacrifice. One of them is slain, is killed there before the Lord in the tabernacle or the temple's holy of holies, which is behind the curtain. And the high priest can only enter once a year. Yes, that same curtain separating heaven and earth, God's presence from our own. But I want to focus for a moment on that second goat, otherwise known in English as the scapegoat. The one who is sent out the gates to wander and to die in the wilderness. The wandering scapegoat has had hands laid upon him by the high priest. And the high priest prayed to God, put all the people's sins upon this scapegoat. And then the scapegoat is cast out and he takes away the sins of the people, wanders into the wilderness where the demons dwell. Now, why am I hearkening back to Leviticus 16 in the Old Testament? Because Jesus went into the waters of baptism, not to be cleaned, for he's the only clean one to ever go into baptism. He went in to be polluted by our sins. We're the ones who pollute the waters. We're the ones who make them muddy. And he went into those muddy waters that we have defiled, and he cleanses them. So that now when we go down and we come up, we are cleansed by Christ. And when he rises up from the water, he takes on all our defilement. All our sins. 
And then God the Father immediately anoints his son, not by the sinful hands of any man, like the prophet Samuel upon David, nor the sinful hands of Aaron, the high priest, who puts his hands upon the scapegoat. No, by the Holy Spirit himself as a dove, he comes down and anoints Christ as he raises up from baptism. And then God, the Holy Spirit, after anointing Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Son of Man, does something interesting. God, the Holy Spirit, casts Jesus out from the presence of the people to go immediately into the wilderness as our scapegoat. The Holy One of Israel, the true King, is our scapegoat. And he goes out to face Satan. And Satan is about to chew on far more than he can swallow, for this is no ordinary goat. For Jesus is about to dethrone Satan as he ultimately is heading towards Jerusalem to be enthroned upon the cross. Now the trap has been set. Jesus walks willingly into the wilderness and he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights by hunger, by thirst, deprivation, exposure to the elements, hostility, it records in Mark, even from the wild animals, there's wild animals in rebellion because of our sin. And in all of that, in addition to it, the demons and even Satan himself. But unlike Israel's wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years after their rebellion, Jesus does not rebel. Unlike Adam, who first sinned and was exiled from the garden, Jesus does not sin and willingly goes into exile on our behalf. Now this is an invasion, my friends. It's an invasion of heaven upon earth. It's heaven's son brings the fight to Satan. And God the son shows that even Satan's own turf is not his and never was. For everything belongs to God. Just as Joshua in the Old Testament crossed the river Jordan and invaded the promised land and the wilderness to drive out the demonic cults of the land the demonic practices, the sacrifices to demons, and even the sacrifices of children that had cursed that land, so too does Jesus, whose name also means Joshua, crosses the river Jordan in his baptism, and he goes to war against the power, the principalities, the rulers, the dominions. In other words, he goes to war against Satan and his reprobate fallen angels. And in case you're wondering... So how did that reading from 1 Peter that we just heard from the New Testament, how does that even apply? Why are we reading that today? Friends, we have this early preview of what's going to happen on Holy Saturday. A preview of Jesus' conquering mission on that great and glorious Holy Saturday, the day after Good Friday when Christ is crucified, and the day before Resurrection Sunday, Easter morning. For we have professed and we continue to profess and confess the Apostles' Creed, at every baptism, he was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. Whereas the old English translate, he descends to hell. That is that Jesus died and broke open Sheol, the place of the dead. He harrowed Hades. He emptied Satan's claims on the patriarchs and the Old Testament saints. And Jesus came and announced his victory over the demons right there on their own home turf when he proclaimed his victory's gospel to them. That Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. That's the preview. 
But let's keep our attention now for the reading on Mark. As Jesus battles and overcomes Satan's temptations, the place of the demonic, the wilderness, and even hell itself is now filled by God's conquering presence. Truly, as Paul will say in his letters, Christ is all in all. Even death itself is filled by the author of life. He dies to fill hell's emptiness with his very own presence. Or as David sings in Psalm 139, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in Sheol, in Hades, in the place of the dead, you are there. And so therefore, O church, while you take up this holy Lent to fast from sin, remember Jesus tamed temptation. Jesus conquered sin. Jesus restrained Satan in the wilderness of this life that we're living here and now. And so when surely temptations will and shall arise, when surely Satan shall attack you, rest in Christ who conquered. Pray in the Holy Spirit that for the Father's will to be done in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. For the Father will break the temptation. He will protect you. For God will fortify you, and he will preserve you from all sin if we merely flee to him. But we're distracted. We're distracted in this world by so many things. And that's why the call of Lent is to deny yourself, to take up your cross, not to save yourself, but to take up your cross and follow after the one who has conquered before you, who has achieved the victory, who will protect you and is with you in his Holy Spirit, and who will conquer the sins you face and you battle each day. Because Christ is on a conquering mission. And because he is on a conquering mission, it is time for us to reorient, to turn east, to turn our face to towards Jerusalem on how we view the church, the gathering of the saints. It's not a social club, nor is it a charity. And it's especially not just a Sunday activity that we come and do. This church, this gathering is the very body of Jesus Christ. The same body of the same Christ who is the conqueror. And we are on a mission. as a frontier outpost. There in the wilderness of God's ever-conquering kingdom. Here's where we gather, where we church, we gather together for provisions, to be resupplied, rearmed, and to go forth into battle. And namely, what is it that we receive? That ever-sufficient and ever-flowing grace from God himself. We receive it here together to regroup, to refresh, and then go out from here to confront, to confound, and to cast out the evil one. We are to go out into our own wilderness to resist, to revile, and to rebuke the demonic lies and influences on the world as God redeems his people. So to the demons, we are Christ's soldiers marching as to war. To the lost, we bear the fragrant aroma of Christ crucified, Christ risen, and Christ coming again. We are ambassadors of Christ, and therefore let us keep a holy Lent and live like the one who has bought us from slavery. 
not to return willingly back to slavery, back to sin, back to Satan, but instead to rejoice in the Lord, to rest in his Holy Spirit, and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to go forth out of here and to live life as though we're in a mission. To live life as though we're leaving this fort. We're not here in the church in the gathering to wait for the world and for Satan to come after us. No, we're taking the battle to them. Do not worry about the numbers or the lack thereof. God will provide. We serve the same God, the very same God, who when the prophet's disciples said, we are outnumbered, what are we to do? And the prophet prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. And his eyes were open, and there was the invisible army of God's heavenly host, far outnumbering any enemy before them. And our mission, our enemy, is not our fellow man who is deluded and who is lost. Our mission is to help redeem those who are deluded and lost. Our enemy is the evil one. Our task, our commandment, our mission as the church is to take dominion. That same old commandment going back to Genesis. The same old commandment of taking dominion given to Adam and Eve when they were east of Eden, exiled from the garden, to go, multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth. The same commandment repeated to Noah when he was out of the ark. Go, multiply, fill the earth. Make this desolate world a garden for God. Our call is to tame the wilderness and make a garden out of it. And like the Israelites who followed that first Joshua, we are called to follow the true Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. To drive out the satanic practices polluting the land and to confront and confound with God's holy truth the deceits and the deceptions of a world that is charmed by demonic delusions. And taking dominion, it starts within our own homes. We bless our homes. We make them fortresses for Christ by our daily prayers and by our daily reading of His Holy Word. Start there. If those two things aren't happening within the home, start with daily prayers and daily reading of His Holy Word. I don't care how little or how much. Start and God will grant growth. We physically also bless the homes of those as well. We set those homes apart for God. We pray for His presence and He comes and fills our homes just as He fills our hearts and our souls. And likewise, we take dominion by making our very bodies submissive to God. We use Lent to deny ourselves so that we may be filled by Christ. We deny ourselves so that we're reminded that, yes, we need Christ and not ourselves nor the things of this world. And especially if we're denying ourselves of anything, if we're fasting in any version at all, we must fast from sin while we feast on God through Christ himself in Holy Communion. For there is no way that we can resist this world. There is no pulling up the bootstraps in the kingdom of heaven. Instead, we are pulled up as dead men and given life, just as Adam was given life by the breath of God there in the garden. So come and receive the breath of life to the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not merely filled up by Christ by faith, but also truly by his very Holy Spirit. We are made as physical, living, moving temples of the Holy Spirit. 
and we're sent out from here by our God to take dominion by preaching and sharing the good news that God has conquered, that God has an eternal love, that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this message of good news, of Christ's victory and conquering, is to go forth to those imprisoned souls of our fellow man and to share with them good news that Christ has come to save them exactly where they are. And so when the world asks you, how much does God love fallen creation? How much does God love his enslaved creatures? You can go and you can tell them that Christ loves us to hell and to back. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to Donate Online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.